0: Amen. How's everybody doing? It's good to see you today. If you have your Bibles, you can open them with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I am, I think the phrase would be, under the weather, which is okay. I like getting sick every once in a while. Not real sick, but sick enough. Is everybody with me? Sick enough, though, that I I, I don't think it'd be wise if I shook anybody's hand in here. You may not want this. But uh, uh, (laughs) glad to be with you this morning as we continue to operate uh, in the power of God. Uh, whatever we're doing, preaching or listening, whatever it is. And uh, great to be a part of a church that seeks to do that in their lives. We're continuing the series uh, called Power Up. We started it a week ago or so, and we're just talking about the power of God in our lives. And so uh, today we're going to talk about having power over death. Power over death. It's where Paul takes us next in the story of the Ephesians. And as uh, we're in this series called Power Up. We're trying to understand from God and see from God the ways that his power can and has changed our lives. Uh, Power, as we talked about last week, is at the center of the Christ experience. If you're going to be a Christian, you're going to do it because of the power of God and nothing less. And We talked last week about how lots of the gadgets that we have are dependent on batteries or cords to work. Uh, I was thinking about one this week that uh, has been recently added to our house, Uh, my wife and I. Uh, sit situated in front of the television in our family rooms. Anybody else got this set up in your place, right? There used to be a couple chairs that we kind of, you know, each had. We're actually entering that phase of life. We have chairs. But uh, uh, we we like to snuggle. I hope you still like to snuggle. And so the, the arms in these chairs were keeping that from happening. so we decided to get rid of the chairs and we uh, saved our pennies and invested in a love seat. <laughs> and then, this excuse me, this love seat is uh <laughs> this love seat is powered uh, by a cord. it's got these buttons on the side now it used to be you had to like kick it and flip back and all this stuff, but uh, it's one of those recliners now that you just push a button and your feet go up, oh, it's so great, and then you push another button and your headrest goes up and I mean it's just you know uh, it's even got a light for the cup holder come on what 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 else do you need uh but it's it's got this cord and and so we got this love seat in the middle of our room and and the cord is over there, or the, the plug is over there on that wall, right? And so you've got to run this, snake this cord underneath the couch and through the carpet and all that stuff and, and have it terminate in the wall. Well, it's right there by the window that we constantly are opening, shutting the blinds for, you know, as we uh, wake up and whatever. And so uh, what invariably will happen is that someone will inadvertently kick the cord. So the next time you sit down in the thing, you're all set for this comfortable journey, you know, and you push your button. Up. Ah! Someone has kicked the cord. I can't bring the Oakland. That's the name of the love seat, the Oakland. We actually, we've, we've named our chair the Oakland. Anyway, uh, but uh, I can't bring that in. It's too heavy. But I did bring this lamp. And uh, uh, same thing with lamps. Sometimes, uh, because uh, my kids need to charge their phone, they'll unplug the lamps in our house and put their charger in it. And the same thing will happen. And I don't know what you do when you're, you know when you go to your lamp and you start clicking. I don't know if you can hear that. Anybody hear that? Uh, uh, what, what's, your, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Who, th- who thinks light bulb? Anybody think light bulb? Well, not so much anymore, because they make light bulbs that'll you know, last like way longer than you and I will, right? <laughs> like, I'll be dead before the light bulbs in my house die. That's, but, but they guarantee me that now. And uh, uh, So that's not so much what I do anymore. I'm not expecting the light bulb to be dead. Um, th- there has been one occasion where uh, things got so bad with a particular lamp, because it's an old lamp, my wife likes old stuff, uh, that I actually had to rewire the lamp. Has anybody ever rewired a lamp? I did that once. I'm not going to do it again. That was fine. Uh, but that's not usually what I think. Usually, what I think is is when I'm clicking and 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 nothing's happening. What the, the, this thing's just not plugged in. It's amazing once you take an electrical appliance or anything that needs power when you plug it. Ah, oh, na na na, right. Why do I bring all this stuff up? Because here's what we're basically studying in this series. We're studying the fact that God has called us to a life empowered by Him. It's by His power that He raises us from our spiritual death. We're going to see that today. But it's in His power that we're meant to live. But if you're like me, a lot of times you say, you know what, God, no thanks. And you unplug, Uh, whether it's uh, intentionally in certain areas of life because you don't want Him to be in charge of that part of you or whether it's unintentionally where you're just kinda busy and, and the cord loosens and things aren't quite so connected. My hope is f- for us to be a church that stays plugged into God, that shines brightly in this case uh, with his power and that walks in victory because of all that God has given us through his power. If you think about the power of God, uh, it's really the key to our faith. Certainly, there's other parts of God's character that bring about our faith. We'll see them today. His love, his grace, his mercy. We, we all agree that those attributes are part of our being able to be brought into a, real, a life with him. But if he, if he didn't have power, if God didn't have power, well, there's no creation because creation took God's power. Correct? If, if God didn't have power, there's no recreation. There's no Being born again, there's no us becoming new creations because he wouldn't have the power to change things. He could have all the love and all the mercy and all the grace, everything, all those other things, but if he doesn't have power, there's no Christians. In fact, I'd put it this way. The Christ life begins with and runs on God's power. Paul says as much or or, or expresses his hope that the Ephesians will understand as much as we read last week in the first chapter He says to them, uh, reporting his prayers to them, here in this letter he wrote, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. He's basically saying in that verse, listen, when I pray for you, I pray that you go to the deep end of the pool in this thing with Christ that you have. I pray that you go further in your understanding, that you don't just settle for the the rudimentary and the elementary, I, I pray that you go deep into the, 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 the wisdom and the knowledge and the revelation of understanding him, and specifically in these areas, that you would have the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. If you were here last week, you heard me talk about these things, but I'll just hit them real quick. When Paul prays for the Ephesians, he prays... First, that they would understand and know the implications of God's call to them in their lives. When we think of God's call on us as followers of Jesus Christ, we think about our salvation experience where even as Paul was writing earlier in the book of Ephesians, he says, listen, before the foundations of the earth, you were chosen to become sons and daughters. We were called, as it were, into this life with Christ, by Christ, and, uh, and so, when we think of our calling, that's what we think of. Maybe we, if, if we get even further down it, we'll think of our calling in terms of maybe ministry, like if you've been called into the ministry, uh, called into a certain kind of ministry, whatever. Uh, but there's, there's just so many different things that we've been called to. And Paul's prayer for the Ephesians and for us is that we would experience all of them, that we would open our eyes to every part of the opportunity or every one of the opportunities that God has given us. He's called us to holiness he's called us to freedom he's called us to peace i went over all these last week and i pray that we're experiencing them and learning about them and, and uh, living out our lives in them and in these calls that god has given us he also prays that the uh, the wealth of his inheritance the future that awaits us in heaven that we would understand that that's why when he says in verse 18 i pray that uh, uh that you, you might understand the riches of his glorious inheritance and in the saints. He, he's talking about uh, what we have in store for us in in this next life. This is just the beginning we're waiting for on our way to an eternal existence with God in heaven. And he doesn't want us just to kind of live with a far-off gaze in the distance, looking forward to that day and not living our life now. He he wants us, though, to have that in mind as we live this life now, have what our inheritance is affect how we live in our Uh, day-to-day. When we uh, uh, talk about living for today, we want to understand it through the lens of the day, the day that we will spend eternity with him. Finally, he says in verse 19, I I want you to know what is the measurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Uh, I want you to... Get a grasp, if you can, of the immeasurable greatness, this greatness that cannot be quantified, clarified. I, I want you to just function, though, as much as possible in, in the power of and in the understanding of the power of this God who has saved us. It's this power that, is, uh, that he's given to us um, because of our belief and our faith in him, and I want you to live it out and understand it. He uh, goes on to explain that this power is expressed or manifested Uh, by God in, in the resurrection of his son, Jesus, and not just in the resurrection of Jesus, but also into the ascension of Jesus, into the raising of Jesus to the right hand of the Father over principalities and dominions and all these things. He basically says, listen, Jesus died for you and I, but God's power rose him from the grave, pulled him out of death and into life. He didn't stop there. God pulled him out of death and into life, and he put him at the right hand of himself, of the Father. Uh, he sits in a place of, of authority over all things, and it's because of his authority and because of God's power that we can walk in that same power with him. Uh, he's actually going to uh, maybe anticipate that the Ephesians might be wanting maybe a more specific example. So he's going to go to the mirror with them. He's going to say, Hey, guys, if you don't believe me, look at yourselves. You don't believe me that the power of God is able to raise and uh, resurrect? Uh, think of your own stories, and that's what we're going to get into today. As we start reading at the beginning of chapter two, we're going to see um, our condition before we met Christ. If we're Christians, this is who we were before Jesus came into us, and us into Him. Uh, we're going to see what happened uh, to to. Rearrange that, and to redefine who we are as a result of God, God's power through Christ. Uh, but this is all written at a time as Paul's writing to the Ephesians. Uh, it's written at a time in their history where the world was busted up and broken. Uh, back in the in the day that Paul's writing this, you can read about it in Acts chapter twenty uh, through twenty-two. Uh, he spent about three years in Ephesus, and Ephesus was just a jacked-up place. They had all kinds of uh, faults gods that they worshipped. one of them was the Greek goddess Diana they had a temple there that uh, lots of the people who were becoming Christians were coming out of that uh, kinda of faith or that previous faith uh, they had uh, political unrest the Romans were in charge but uh, as was uh, the case in, in all of the Roman Empire they were basically suppressing or controlling many uh, who were not of them here in Asia Minor that was the case uh, so politically things were kinda messed up you had uh, occultic practices, people trying to control spiritual things any way they possibly could, like the Sons of Sceva If you ever heard of them, that's that's what happened in Ephesus. You got uh, sickness and disease. You got um, uh, you got uh, unrest. Uh, Paul tells us the story, or excuse me, Luke tells us the story in the book of Acts of how um, uh, the the Christians were were revolted against that the, a bunch of silversmiths, a bunch of craftsmen who had made their 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 livings basically creating idols for other people to worship they they got fussed out at the Christians and they decided to do something about it so they 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 had a riot they threw themselves a nice little riot and they you know paraded Christians through the streets ended up at the uh, at the you know the Morgan and Morgan amphitheater whatever it is over there what is it over there now I don't even know but uh, but they ended up at the city center and they they basically just had this craziness around every corner in the city of Ephesus when Paul was writing this letter to them. Aren't you grateful to be living in a day and age where there's no craziness anymore? <laughs> Isn't it great that 2,000 years later things have progressed to the point where we live in tranquility and peace and harmony in the world that we have? And Is anybody picking up the sarcasm I'm trying to put down? <laughs> yeah, just in the past week or so, uh, you know, uh, some crazy man went into a synagogue and shut it up in Pittsburgh. And another guy went into a nightclub in California and uh, ended the lives of uh, people there. Uh, you got fires burning out there on the west coast. Uh, a few, you know, a month ago or so now, uh, a hurricane slams into our uh, state up there in the Panhandle. I mean, you don't have to go too far, you know, scrolling websites or flipping through channels to just see just how things are still broken and. Ruin. In fact, that fire in California, you can be praying for Scott and Darnisha Taylor. Darnisha is our new worship pastor, and uh, the fire is about 20 minutes from them, and they've had to evacuate their home. And uh, So obviously we want everybody to be uh, delivered in, in that situation, but uh, you know, if you could just pray for them uh, as, as they move forward in these days. But it's a broken world. Uh, uh, people get sick. I, I, just even in my own life, this Tuesday I was sitting in uh <laughs> our our staff meeting we have on Tuesday mornings and so has anybody ever felt the flu kinda coming on you know and you can almost just kinda feel your temperature rising and stuff like that my hands got really cold in that meeting and I'm like I'm getting sick I know I'm getting sick I gotta get out of here and so I was just hoping for that meeting to end so I could get out of there and uh, sure enough we we're coming to a close but just one more thing you know for the day uh, as I'm getting ready to leave I, I look at my phone and it just dinged and, and I, I got the text message from my uh, mother uh, the the family friend of ours that I told you about last week that was wrestling with cancer and dying of cancer he, he died right then uh, as I'm leaving that uh, that meeting uh, so I had that to go home and and uh, mourn over and, and it happens in life I'm grateful that he's with his Savior but just hard things happen in life right I woke up Friday morning feeling a little bit better <laughs> excuse me uh, I'm you know having whatever I'm having today but fr- felt good Friday so I went to Sam's right. And I'm walking through the uh, parking lot of Sam's after getting my, you know, uh, bulk up supplies, my 46 eggs or whatever you get there, and uh, and other things. And I'm walking down the parking lot, and this guy uh, was pushing his uh, his cart, uh, and he was kind of out in the in the in the traffic area, you know, where the where the cars were driving. So this other dude was driving his car, and he just he just you know honked his horn at the guy, just ask him to get over. And apparently, he honked the horn too long, or the tone of the horn was not you know, suitable for this guy pushing his court, cart because uh, this guy just went completely ballistic. I've, I've never seen a guy come unglued about a, a car horn before like this in my life. And, and he starts chasing him with one of those you know, huge Sam's carts with all of it. Starts chasing this car up the Sam's parking lot like, like he's going to ram it or something like that, right? And he's, I mean, he's yelling and cussing. His wife is over by their minivan just going, oh, no, no. And I'm walking behind this whole scene. The the car has a retired Marine Corps uh, license plate, and I'm thinking, oh, this guy's going to get out and just dust this dude. Um, <laughs> and and he, he stopped his car. He, he stopped his car. But when he gets out, he's like he's like a you know a, 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 an, an aged smaller guy. And he stops his car because he doesn't know what's happened. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't understand why this guy is yelling and screaming. Did he you know? Has he hit somebody or hit something? Well, this guy, I mean, he comes right up to him, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to have to protect this poor guy who was just driving his car in the Sam's parking lot from this completely irate, insane person, and here's what I'm thinking. This is going through my head. It's always the third guy in, the one who's trying to break up the fight that gets shot. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to (laughs) get shot. I'm thinking that. Why? Because it's the world that we live in. It's what's emblazoned across our headlines, right? That anybody would get that fussed out, it shows that things are, you know, kind of jumpy right now. You know why? Somebody want to know why? 2,000 years ago, things were a mess. 2,000 years later, things were a mess. Anybody want to know why? Yeah, it's a broken world. It's a sin-filled, sin-marred world. disease. Uh, weather, fires, all that stuff—result of sin coming into the world. Uh, <laughs> it's not just a sin-marred, sin-filled world. It's a—it's a world inhabited <clears throat> by sinful, broken, dead people. People who uh, their first <laughs> reaction is anger and bitterness and vitriol and manic craziness. I mean. Not, not all of us, not all the time. We're still thankfully created in God's image and people do good things every once in a while. Isn't that great? But it's, uh, it's just a, it's a messed up world. And this is the, the story that Paul wants to tell. He's going to talk about us and the Ephesians and how we were dead in our sin, but he's going to bring the good news. And this is the good news for us even in this age that we live. If you have any comfort, if you have any confidence, here's the deal. The power of God is greater than the sin of the world. The power of God has and will overcome your sins, my sins, and the sin of the world. And that's the story that Paul tells today. Start with me here in Ephesians chapter two, verse one. We're gonna learn this right off the bat. We all start life spiritually dead. We know this because Paul says as much. Look what it says. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now is at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. got to walk through that a little bit, but The summary statement is that, hey, everybody's born spiritually dead. Every one of us is dead. Look what it says in verse 1 again. It says, you were dead. That's where I got that. You you were dead. Before Jesus, you were dead. Why were you dead? Trespasses, sins. Trespasses, that's the Greek word, uh, peroptoma. It basically means a false step or a, a, a crossing of a line uh trespasses are willful and active sins sins of rebellion things that you and i do uh once we know we're not supposed to do something we choose to do it anyway anybody good at that loophole sins right i know i'm not supposed to do this but maybe right like uh, adam and eve don't eat they they had this one rule don't eat the fruit of that tree and still they did it that's a trespass a paroptoma that's what kills. That's what brings death, that kind of sin, a trespass. But it's also not just trespasses. It says we're dead in our trespasses, and then it gives a different word, sins. It's the Greek word harmartioi. And harmartioi or harmartia means to miss the mark, uh, to fail to measure up. It's a more passive, maybe uh, uh, mistaken type sin, but it's a sin all the same. I used to. I still do. I, I make some of the best cookies in the world. I've decided not to call them the best cookies in the world because I haven't had all the cookies. <laughs> but they're pretty good. And uh, uh, when I was first learning to make these things, I would follow the recipe meticulously, but then once I'd made them enough, I stopped looking at the recipe card, and I just made them. Who does that? Anybody got a recipe like that? Yes, All you bakers, you're with me, right? And so uh, but I'm, I'm mistake-prone. I'm not a very detail-oriented guy, and so sometimes I would forget certain... Uh, uh, aspects of the recipe, and so this one time, I instead of using baking soda in these cookies, I used baking powder, and I don't understand the difference between them at all. But I do know that when you make my cookies with baking powder, they're like hockey pucks. They're not, uh, they're not soft and chewy and delicious. They're kind of hard and nasty, and uh, and so I, I I brought these things to a party that Eleanor and I were attending. I was in charge of bringing dessert, and I'm like, sorry everybody, these are really bad. You know, muddle through, but. Uh, 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 and everybody was very forgiving, but here's the deal. That, that, that is hamartia, that is missing the mark, uh, having good intentions perhaps, but still failing all the same. Uh, all of these sins of rebellion, the more active sins, sins of uh, failure, more passive sins, these are the things that kill people spiritually, and it's what we were all in the condition of before we met Jesus He says, You were dead in your trespasses, sins in which you once walked. This is kind of this picture, not of like a frolic, but more of like uh, the chain gang. All right? We walked in in bondage. Uh, In the course of the world, it says, following the course of the world. That's one of the first uh, leaders we followed. We followed the world. Uh, The world has this anti God stance not all of it but basically the world says I want to do what I want to do and I don't care if God wants me to do it or not I'm doing it Uh, it's what got us in high school and junior high school in trouble anybody ever hung out with those friends that got you in trouble Uh, you did what they did rather than you know what your parents wanted you to do and it it ended up being what it ended up being Uh, but you did what you did because you wanted to fit in with them and with their world And the world has this strong pull we want to be a part of it. And uh, when we are without Christ, we are just slaves to it. We just kind of get in line behind them as they lead us away from him. It says, As they followed the course of the world, we followed the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Anybody want to guess who that is? Some of you already know. But basically what this Bible, or what Paul is telling us here in his letter to the Ephesians is that when it came time for us to plug into life, we didn't plug into God and what he wanted. Uh, we went to his adversary, his enemy, and we plugged ourselves into his thinking and into his way of life, and, and he steered our vehicle and led us away from God. That's what the prince of the power of the air is. It's another name for Lucifer or the devil or Satan. He has lots of names, uh, but I found this really interesting this week. I was studying this, and... And actually, that word air is a word that's, uh, that or is translated in other places in your Bible as fog or mist. Isn't that interesting? Uh, that the, the devil is the the prince of the power of fog. Now that means that he's not going to come to you with like this blatant sin and be like, hey, try this. He's going to kind of come to you in the fog. and then uh, Even as an angel of light, the Bible calls him an angel of light, and he's going to you know give you offerings like he did with Adam and Eve and saying hey listen if you do this you'll never die you'll be as smart as God he, that's, that's why he doesn't want you to do this and he'll make he will paint everything to look like it's great but then he'll lead you away from God and into destruction before we met Jesus we followed the world we followed this uh, this enemy of God uh, the devil uh, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience uh, that's who we were that's what Paul's going to say next, among whom we all once lived. We were all sons and daughters, ladies, you're in there too, of disobedience. Uh, as we lived in the passions of our flesh, we've, we followed the world, we followed uh, God's enemy, and we followed ourselves and the desires that are in us. When you hear the flesh there, don't think, you know, the skins that's covering your bones and, uh, you know, that's stretched out over your carcass. Think... Uh, the in, internal desires that you and I have. When I think of the flesh, uh, the word that comes to my mind, spiritually speaking, is, is more. I want more. Yeah, God, you know, has created this for me, and this is good. But more would be better. Like God said, eat this much. Does everybody believe that God wants us to eat? He made us to eat, right? Everybody likes eating. Who likes eating? Anybody like eating? Okay. So all of us need to eat to survive, and God said, eat this much. But then the Bible tells us about this sin called gluttony. Everybody knows what gluttony is about, right? It's take how much God wants you to eat and give me some more, right? That's why you can eat six donuts. You don't need one donut. But your flesh says, you know what, six would be great. That's a good start, right? What about... uh, you know, our sexual selves, God says, here's where I want you to live with your sexual life. Here, it's within a monogamous relationship, a committed, married, monogamous, heterosexual relationship. Live there. But what does the world say? The world says, no, I want more. I want to live outside those boundaries. I want to have what I want, with who I want, when I want, more, 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 and that's the flesh. Demanding and driving and controlling us. Before we met Jesus, we were dead in our transgressions and our trespasses and sins. We were followers, followers of the world, followers of our enemy, and then followers of our flesh. And it caused us to carry out the desires of our bodies and of our minds. You know, our bodies is more that appetite stuff, more, more, more. But even in our minds, we could start saying more, more, more. Like God says, this is who I am, and this is how it is, and this is how it's supposed to be. But we say, no, there's got to be more. And so we start examining other systems and other ways of thought and we start, uh, you know, discovering science, which God, by the way, made science. Everybody cool with that? Everybody's fine with that? Science and God are not incompatible. But what science apart from God does is it says, ah, we don't need God. And I'll create these constructs without God. And in my mind, I will bow and kowtow to my flesh and I will uh, take my mind in directions that are not part of God and what his plans are for me. Uh, That's what it means to be given over to the passions of our flesh and carrying out the desires of our body and our minds. Therefore, we were by nature children of wrath. When you think children of here, it's the Greek word technon. Don't think little itty bitty kids, sweet, adorable wrath kids. No, we're heirs. Uh, What we deserve, what we uh, inherit because of who we are without Christ, being spiritually dead is wrath that's what we get and uh, uh, we get it just like the rest of mankind who is without Christ let me just kind of summarize these first three verses by saying this what Paul saying is that when we're born we're spiritually helpless and therefore we're spiritually hopeless everybody get that like helplessness is what breeds hopelessness like if you can't help yourself that's, that's what snuffs out the hope that you have in your life we're spiritually helpless and hopeless. Uh, furthermore, we're dead. Uh, we're directed by the world. We're dire- uh, d- dominated by the devil. We're driven by desire. How about all those words? Isn't that great? All those D words? That's awesome. And, uh, and we're doomed. We're doomed. Hmm. Some of you may be thinking, Mark, I, I've always had a hard time with this. Are you saying that I'm as sinful as the most sinful person? Uh, you may not be the most um, accomplished sinner, like whoever sat in like that testimony time at your church growing up, maybe if you grew up in a church like this, and the, and the one dude that had been saved from drug addiction and you know uh, had been in prison and stuff, they'd get up and tell their testimony, and you're like, wow, that testimony was awesome. And then you'd get up and be like, well, I came to Christ when I was five, and I'm only 10 now, so uh, <laughs> not a whole lot happening here, but praise be to God, all right? Never ever be ashamed that you don't have, you know, as interesting a testimony as someone else. Um, But also, in the same breath, don't ever assume that you're somehow better than that person because you don't have as many experiences as them. Here's the deal. When the Bible speaks of our depravity, it's not talking about quantity or even the quality of our sins. It's just speaking essentially to the fact that we're all equally guilty and because we're all equally guilty, whatever the sins of our lives were, we're all equally doomed. So don't get overly concerned about how much. One's enough. And you didn't even have to wait until you were choosing sins and committing sins. It usually happens around like one or two years of age where a mother tells a child no, and they have their first like, well, let's see how far we can get with this. That was just—it's in you. It's the condition you are by nature. Without Jesus, children of wrath. Hmm. That brings me to these uh, these next words in the in the writing of Paul's letter. It's some of my favorite words in all of the Bible. Uh, If you're looking at your screens or at your Bibles, you're seeing them. uh, Say them with me. But God. Yeah, listen, believers, Christians these are some of your favorite words in the bible because they almost proceed always proceed from some really bad news and they almost always precede some really good news right like here's how messed up we are paul says but god and things change when the power of god get involved, Gets involved. it says, uh, we're gonna see this, that God, but God has the power to give life to those of us who are dead. Look what it says in verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. He puts this little hyphenated parenthetical in there, it's by grace that you've been saved. Who's heard those words before? That's yeah, good stuff, right? Anybody happy about that? Anybody like that, but God? Let's go. Let's go back over it. But God, being rich, verse four, in mercy. Anybody grateful that we have a merciful God? Yeah. Uh, the merciful God. Uh, here's what that means. Basically, mercy comes in two principal forms. Mercy comes in a form of forgiveness. So, like, if you offended me, or uh, you know, took something from me, or or uh, uh, did something to hurt me, and uh, and you said you were sorry uh, I, I could perhaps uh, in some people's thinking still require you to give it back or to let me hit you back who, who grew up in that house you, you would punch your little sister and she'd start screaming and and uh, instead of her getting your mom involved which we all know meant the wooden spoon not so much today but back then right stuff was real things would jump off back then if mom got involved right <laughs> And so what you would do with your little sisters, is you'd be like, hey, Aaron, if that's your little sister's name, hey, Aaron, hit me, punch me. And she'd punch you, there's no way near as hard as what you could punch her. And you're like, no, keep going, keep going. And, and you just try to talk her down, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, perhaps we could ask for those kinds of things in return, but here's what mercy does. Mercy does, says, you know what? You've offended me, and I don't require from you the payment for your offense. It's forgiveness right? But mercy has another component to it, and God shows us both in our salvation. He, did, he forgives us. He, he doesn't just require from us the payment for our offense, but he also sees our incredible need. He looks down at us dead spiritual people, and he says, man, those guys are helpless and hopeless. And like the good Samaritan who got off of his ride and went down to the guy who was completely helpless and hopeless in that story, God picks us up. And he does for us what we could never do for ourselves. That's mercy, too. Mercy and forgiveness. Mercy to the helpless. He does it because of his great love. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loves us. It's a great sentence. He has this great love for us. It's internal. God has this. Who's, who's grateful for a God who loves? Anybody grateful for a God who loves? God loves us uh, it's part of his character, it's his nature. It says in First John that God is love, and so he is love. His love is for us, and his love is unconditional and unrelenting and unending, and, and his love is there, but he doesn't just love us and not do anything about it. His great love with which he loved us. He, he, this is the, the noun, he has this great love, and this is the verb, he loved us. He showed us love in mercy and in grace, giving us our salvation. His love compelled his mercy And his love, as we're going to see in the next verse, granted us his grace. It says in verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you and I have been saved. See, he went beyond just the mercy part of, of giving us life as dead people and of raising us up. He, he went beyond that. We're going to see it in the next verse. He's, he's going to, like he did with Christ, he raised Christ from his grave and then he put Christ at the right hand of himself. God did this. He brought Christ into this position of dominion over all things. He granted him that, and he does the same thing with us. And that is a grace. Grace, everybody understands Grace. Grace goes beyond mercy. Mercy is just saying, hey, I forgive. Hey, let me help you up. Grace says, let me elevate you. Let me ascend with me to heights that you could never dream. I'm not just going to give you some. I'm going to give you all. That's what grace does. Uh, uh, Verse 6 tells us that God has the power to raise us beyond sin. God has the power to raise us beyond sin. It says he raised us up with him. He seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's that elevation. There's resurrection, but then there's this elevation. We are brought from death to life, but then we are given the power of God for life through Christ so it's what allows Paul to say things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His power through me is able to accomplish whatever I must in this life that he's called me to. There's two pride statements that I just want to mention here as we move forward that kind of affect us in this understanding of God's power and our salvation. The first one is this. Uh, sometimes we 're so proud that we think that we 're not as bad as Paul says we are in the first three verses. Kind of caution you and I against thinking well, i 'm not that bad." What that does is it makes us think that I don 't need the power that only God can give, because I have the power in and of myself to just kind of plug into me and function without him. Uh, and this is uh, a dangerous thing. it 's a dangerous hubris, a dangerous arrogance. Because it can lead us to believe in that we can do life without God. And what Paul's trying to explain to the Ephesians is like, hey guys, it really was that bad. <clears throat> and God's grace and mercy and love really is that amazing and great. And even after you've been saved, you can't just kind of coast through life without him. You have to stay plugged in so that he can grant you the things that only he can grant you in life. Another uh, pride statement that we need to be careful of, of making is, "I'm not as good as Paul says." Here's what a lot of Christians do, especially once they come to Christ, is they think, "Yeah, it's so great that God saved me, but He just barely saved me." I mean, I was so bad. I was one of those testimonies. I was so bad when I came to Christ that you know I, I know I'm a Christian, but just barely. And so I'm going to live this life, you know, kind of in this this thought or in these, these this frame of mind where I'm defeated or this this particular area of my life I'll never have victory in it because uh, I'm not as good or I, I don't have the same kind of power that other Christians have because of who I've been in my past what a what a lie what a crock what a I mean what a shackle to walk through life with believing that you know what I've sinned so much that God doesn't have any power over it Oh, that you and I would understand, that we would walk in the power of His mercy and grace, come to every situation, every every part of our lives. Whether it's a difficult marriage, whether it's you know uh, uh, joblessness, uh, just financial difficulty, whatever. If it's if it's character flaws, if you're that angry guy in the Sam's parking lot, right? If you're here, sorry if I'm talking about you, but. Uh, but if you've got these issues and you think there's just no way that I'm ever going to be able to get over this, then, then you've believed a lie. And I'm not saying that God's going to deliver every situation in your life. I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect. I'm not saying that God's some vending machine where we just pop some faith in and whatever we want comes out. But I am saying that God is able, and that you and I need to believe that God is able and walk in that confidence and not in the defeat of our past. Are you with me? In summary, these are the verses most people know from the book of Ephesians. But Paul just kind of summarizes what he said here in the first six verses, seven verses. He says, For by grace you've been saved, verse eight, through faith, this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Who's heard that one before? Yeah. Pretty pretty great stuff. And a great summary. What's he say? Listen, your salvation, you and I becoming Christians, It was by grace and through faith. It was God's idea. It was his gift to us. It's through our faith. But get this. Look what it says. If you can go back to verse 8, you guys get the bonus material. You're the last service. This is bonus. Here we go. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this. Anybody ever read this and been like this? I wonder what this is. What does this, this mean? Well, this. Everybody goes to grace because it says, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Oh, gift, grace, gift, grace, yeah. And that would be great in the language if this was actually the same uh, <coughs> person, uh, it, it, the same uh, gender as, as the uh, noun grace. Here's what I mean. I'm not going to get into Greek. Uh, anybody want to learn Greek right now? Anyway, I'm not going to do that. This is a neuter pronoun. okay? And so when you have a neuter pronoun, it basically uh, modifies or points back to every noun that has just preceded it. And so here's, here's what the, the Greek actually says. By grace, you have been saved through faith. Grace, salvation, and faith, all of this is not of your own doing. Okay, grace, yeah, that's God's. God does that, right? Salvation, absolutely God's. God does that. But even your faith, listen to me, Christians, if you have faith in Christ, God compelled you to faith. Even faith is from God. God. Like it says in the first chapter, he chose us, he predestined us, he, he drew us to himself. So all of it, grace, salvation, and faith, it's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works, verse 9. So that none of us can boast. This, this isn't set up so that you and I can be like, look, I, I crossed off all the boxes, I did all the, you know, the, the, the steps, I went through the entire routine, I got everything nailed, and that's what makes me righteous. No, it's just God and what he's done just God that's it for what purpose has God given us life and God given us power well, why would he save us why would he present us with this grace that is life with him a couple reasons verse 7 tells us he did all of this he gave us grace so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus This is one of those, you know, many times in the scriptures where Paul is describing something that God has done. And he says, and God did this so that God could glorify himself. Everybody see that? God did this. God saved dead spiritual people so that in the coming ages, for the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He did it so that everybody could see that he is the giver of grace and glorify him, which is what he made us to do. He created us for him so we might glorify him, and even his salvation of us brings him the glory he's due. But the last thing is the one we're probably more familiar with, and I'll leave you with this. Why does he save us? Verse 10. <coughs> Excuse me. There it was. I was trying to hold that. <clears throat> for we are his workmanship, workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We weren't saved for our own sakes. Certainly we are the benefactors of God's grace and our salvation, but it wasn't just so that we could be preserved, rescued from his wrath and secured to an eternity with him. We were saved with God's plan in mind, in fact, it tells us that beforehand, he prepared beforehand, before our existence, before our salvation, he prepared a, a plan for us to meet him in things that we can do for him so that he is glorified. So when you show up, Joe, at a one on Wednesday nights, God's doing that through you uh, and prepared that ahead of time so that you could honor God and loving those kids and leading them to know and follow Jesus Christ, right? Uh, take any of the things. Miriam, when you help people over at Echo and give them food, God prepared all of those things, those ways that you can bless those families that you may have never met before or may never see again. God prepared all of those things beforehand so that once you found him and followed him, you would meet him in those things and glorify him through those things. So, it says that we're his workmanship. You know what that Greek word is? poema It's like we're his poem. Where is his masterpiece. we his newly created things his newly created beings All things have, old things have passed away and behold all things have come, become new so that we might meet God in his planned works his planned beforehand works and honor him in them thanks for listening this morning I don't know if anything made sense but here's my hope sometimes you get to the end of services and kind of like okay we're done now what what do you want me to do now Here's what I want you to do now. Let me be real clear. In light of the fact that you and I were once spiritually dead, but if we are saved by faith, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you are now spiritually alive, I want you to, man, it would be great if we would all run out of here screaming and yelling and excited over the fact that God has given us life where we could not give it to ourselves. Is everybody with me? I don't know what you're going to run into out there as you go to your cars and what's next for you. I don't know if you've got a difficult day, week, month ahead of you. I don't know if stuff's hard in your life right now. I'm not even going to say that as to whether or not it's going to be easier. But here's, here's what I will tell you. Regardless of the circumstances of your life and mine, if we are in Christ, we can and should rejoice. We have been given the power of God And God has overcome our death. The second thing is this. Uh, We should leave here committed to praying for God's power to be revealed in our lives. If you're kind of, you know, functioning like this right now, kind of uh, hovering close to even you being here this morning, you're kind of, hey, I didn't even know there was a plug. I didn't even know there was things that I could plug my life into. If this is kind of you, here's my prayer for you, that you'd walk from here committed to praying that God would connect you with himself and that you would shine brightly with his love and with his hope and with his peace, but you would have the power to face everything that you face, no matter what it is. And then finally, I would pray that you'd go out there looking for people who have no power, people whose lives are still racked by spiritual death, people whose lives are just unplugged from God altogether, and I pray that you can lead them back into life with him as uh, God works his power through you to do so that's what I wanted to tell you this morning can we stand we'll be dismissed let me pray father in heaven I'm grateful for this day this chance for us to hang out and uh, just uh, hear from you through your word and uh, thank you God for your power over sin and death Uh, all of us who know you now Uh, understand that it had nothing to do with who we were or our merit or the things that we did to glorify you. We are, uh, if we are saved, we are saved by your grace and through your power uh, as a result of you giving us the faith that we have in you. Um, Help us to live God mindful of that power. Help us to live victoriously, uh, trusting you uh, for whatever we face uh, to give us what we need in that situation. Help us not to live in defeat any longer if we've uh, um, uh, listened to the lie that we're not as good as Paul says we are. Help us to be reminded that we have been raised from death to life and sat at the right hand of you. And uh, we have uh, all that uh, we have in Christ because of you and your power. So help us to live in that, I pray. And I pray this all in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen.